0: Good evening, quick announcement uh, for the ladies, uh, this Saturday is the Women's Conference, uh, what time is that starting at? 8 o'clock? 8.30, 830. okay, 8.30, all right, uh, make sure you're there ladies, uh, especially if you signed up, but uh, it's going to be great, uh, the women have been pre- pre- preparing for a long time for this, Um Continental breakfast, lunch provided, worship, teaching. Um, it's going to be all decorated downstairs and everything, and it's always just a great time uh, for the ladies there. So please make sure you go and, and uh, you'll be blessed. So uh, once you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16 and uh, look at verse 24. Matthew sixteen, verse twenty four. As you guys know, we've been looking at discipleship, real discipleship. Um, what it means to be a disciple who is um, following Christ, who's living up to the calling that that Christ has called us uh, with as His students, as His followers, as His people. So um, we've looked at this verse already. Sixteen, uh, Matthew sixteen. Uh, Verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So we see here Jesus teaching his disciples and us the true cost of following him. If anyone desires to come after me, deny himself, take up his cross, the instrument of death, and follow me. There's a dying to ourselves as Jesus' disciples. He also shows us in the same portion, the reward of discipleship is gaining. He says, what is it profit if a man gains the world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. The reward for discipleship and for following Christ as we lay down our lives is gaining life in Christ is gaining that in him turn over to 1st Corinthians chapter 9 1st Corinthians 9 uh, verse 24 Paul here writing to the Corinthians he says do you not know "...that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown." So here we see that we're called as believers, as disciples in Christ... Um, to now that we've been saved, now that we've laid down our lives, we have the eternity of uh, our salvation in hand because of what Christ has done. Now we have a responsibility to endure and to continue in that, to run the race set before us, and to run not just slogging along, kind of just enduring and, and, and suffering through life, but to run as an athlete prepared Uh, counting the cost, laying aside those things that are weighing you down, slowing you down, uh, practicing, going forward with it with endurance to run that way as as a well-trained athlete, um, competing for the prize. There's ambition there as well. And there's counting the cost to be temperate in all things Paul talks about there. And then lastly, there's looking for that reward at the end, the prize, to obtain an imperishable crown. Uh, Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians, which is where we're going to be studying tonight, um, chapter 5. So we have this reward, the imperishable crown, but we have the incentive and we have the time of, of our receiving these rewards Listed out here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, we'll actually look at verse 9. It says, therefore, Paul's writing here, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, speaking of being in the body, uh, absent from the Lord, or to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, says whether, whether that's the case or not, he says, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. And then this is why he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. Paul writes that. Let's pray and then we'll keep going. Lord, thank you for your... Word, Lord, you are the author of the things that we are reading. By your Spirit, you moved on the hearts of men like Paul and the others who who pen these things down for these words to be written in such a way to speak to our hearts, Lord. You desire us to know your will for our lives, you desire us to know you, and you've given us your word for that very reason. I pray as we're studying tonight that you would speak to us. I pray that we would be encouraged, exhorted, and spurred on to follow you, knowing what the end result is, uh, and that we would be uh, just blessed by your word tonight. We ask this in your name. Amen. So here we see the judgment seat of Christ. I titled this study, Discipleship's End. Um we looked at, again, like I said, the true cost of discipleship, laying down our lives for Christ. The reward of discipleship is gaining eternal life, that, that eternal reward that we have. Then how we're supposed to act in, in our lives uh, uh, of following Christ. It's not just a, 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 a one and done thing, but we're continually, continuously following him, running a race with endurance. Uh, and, and following him so that we can obtain a reward. And here we see sort of the uh, graduation ceremony of a disciple of Christ is standing before the teacher, the master, and giving an account of our lives before him and what we've done. Uh, this word here for judgment seat in the Greek is bema or bema seat. Um, Now, it's not a throne of judgment in that uh, we're being uh, condemned. But the picture is uh, in in Roman cities, they would have this raised platform where the city magistrate or judge would have his seat. And people would come before them and would make their case before a judge. It also is uh, the same word that's used in the Olympic Games where you would have athletes competing. And then after their contest is over, they would stand before these judges who would judge how well they did and they would receive crowns of laurel um, and awards for how well they they have done. And, And that's what this is speaking of here. The context in 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking of, really he's defending his ministry to the Corinthian church here In this epistle where uh, there were those within the church that were criticizing him, his attitude, what he had done, his ambition, his dedication. They were calling into question all of these things about Paul and Paul here he's saying that that he is following Christ and he is following him and forsaking all of these other things. There's the suffering, the pleasures of this life. There's the esteem of man. There's all of these things that Paul is saying. I'm setting those aside because God has called me to be his disciple and to follow him. And the context is speaking to. Christians. We need to remember that as well here in verse 9 when he says, therefore we make it our aim. He's speaking of himself, but also Christians in general, that we make it our aim, whether we're going to be dying or whether we're staying here on the earth, whether we're going to be with the Lord or whether we're going to continue on as our bodies uh, are, are groaning for heaven, whether we're going to continue on here with the Lord to make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. So the context is speaking to believers. This judgment seat of Christ should not be confused with the great white throne judgment that comes at the end of the millennium when, when everyone is judged uh, based on whether they've placed their faith in Christ or not. Um, that's not this judgment, but this is a judgment of the believer where we stand before Christ and, and, and we receive rewards based on what we've done in our bodies. Believers are judged here. We know that, that we're not judged for salvation as well because John 5.24 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word, this is Jesus speaking, and believes in him who sent me, has eternal life, and shall not come into judgment, that's condemnation, but has passed from death into life. So if we place our faith in Christ, we've passed from death to life. We're not going to come into that judgment. We have salvation. What a blessing that is. We're not judged according to our sins before Christ any longer. Because as we've placed our faith in Him, our sins have been judged in Him on the cross. Psalm 32 says blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed is the man to whom the lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit that's where we are as believers as his disciples as we've placed our faith in him we're in that place where we're blessed our transgressions are forgiven our sins are covered the lord does not impute iniquity to us because Not of our righteousness, but because of Christ's righteousness. Because he paid the price for us. We have that blessing. So we're not judged here based on our salvation. If we're not judged for our sins, and if we're standing before the cross, or before the Lord, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, then what are we judged for? Romans 14 says, 10 says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. Again, speaking to believers. Romans was written to the Roman Christians. Verse 14 of that same chapter says, so then each of us shall give an account of himself before God. So we're all going to stand before Christ. We're going to each give an account. It's an individual judgment of ourselves ourselves. To God, and then this verse, Second Corinthians five ten, it says, and this is why that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So we have a judgment based on how we've lived our lives after we've placed our faith in Christ. We have the 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 uh, final exam of our lives as disciples before Him. That, that is what is pictured here. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Keep your hand or your fingers there in Corinthians, but turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 8, Paul writing here, he says, For by grace, God's unmerited favor, you have been saved, Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, it's nothing that we've done, lest anyone should boast. And then verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for this purpose, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So as we've placed our faith in Christ, as we've counted the cost, as we're running this race, we look at our lives and we see that Christ has made us as his workmanship. We've been created for specific good works. And and not only are these just good works, they're not just circumstances that fall into our laps or these random things where we have to decide how am I going to best glorify Christ with these things where I'm planning out my life. But we see it says that God has prepared these good works beforehand for us, that we should walk in them. That means that in each and every moment of our lives as Christians and believers, God has placed the circumstances we're in, placed us in those circumstances to glorify him. That means as I get up in the morning and I wake up that In that moment, as I'm coming awake, I have a decision. Am I going to count the cost, humble myself before the Lord in prayer, ask him for strength to walk in that day, ask for the filling of his Holy Spirit so that I can be pleasing to him? As I'm working in my job, in my workplace, and I'm encountering problems or difficulties or challenges, where it's not just something that now I have to make a decision to uh, do a good job so that I'm getting paid or not getting in trouble by my boss or, or being able to deliver these things on time, but where I'm saying I, I, am, I am doing this, like Colossians 3 says, as unto the Lord for his glory. That means that every little decision that we make, God has prepared something in that decision for us to to do a a good work for him, bringing him glory. Our thoughts, the words we speak, how we treat our children, our spouses, how we're driving down the road, whether we like it or not, with that road rage that we get, right? All of those little things that we have, all of those things, God has prepared those situations beforehand that we might serve him glorify him and, and have these good works prepared beforehand that we might do them. I mean, that, that opens up our whole lives. Uh, I've, I hate, I used to hear all the time on the radio when I'd listen to Christian radio at work and I don't anymore because there's not really anything good out there anymore on the radio, but um, you'd hear about this intentional living uh, to do, doing things with intention or, you know, that uh, book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, right? All of these things that, that where we need to recognize and, and create purpose in our lives or in our churches and to do things with intention and all of these other things. God has already done that for us. God has called us to just simply be obedient to him and to follow him. The things that, that are good for us in our lives, he's placed his spirit in us to know how to make those good decisions. He gives us wisdom and discernment. In fact, he says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask for wisdom. Right? We're, we're, we don't have to encounter life purposeless, without plans, without any of these things. But but the plan is, is that we be obedient to the Lord. That's why it's so critical that we're in the word of God every day. The word of God living And active, able to discern between uh, uh, joint and marrow, um, flesh and spirit, uh, to to discern between soul and spirit. Uh, The word of God is meant to give us that direction and that understanding. To teach us about the character of God and the calling on our lives. And and that is what he has done for us. And he's given us his spirit. And, And God... Uh, has saved us by grace through faith. It's his work. We're his workmanship. He's done it. We've been created in Christ Jesus for these good works, and God's prepared them beforehand for us that we should walk in them. That word walk is peripateo, and, and, and it speaks of how I conduct my life. It speaks of the rules by which I live my life. And here in this verse it's speaking of that I'm living my life according to the good works that God has prepared beforehand for me, where I'm looking for them, where I'm choosing to follow him and to be obedient to him. That is true, real discipleship, is looking for what Christ has called me to. As new creations in Christ and as disciples of him, he expects us to live according to his rule of life which are these good works prepared beforehand. As our master and teacher, he has the right and authority to then judge us according to how we've been obedient to him. The difference in this judgment is that our success is not judged according to outward, visible, or human standards, but according to the motives of our heart that the Lord tests, tries, and sees. That means then, as we face these decisions as we're living our lives, um, then the obedience to him is not in just doing these outward things. But again, it's looking inward at our hearts. What are the motives of, of our hearts? I can be a faithful husband who... Uh, goes to work every day so I can provide for my wife and my family and have a nice home. I bring home the paycheck. I don't go out and spend it on alcohol or or gambling or these other things. I'm not... Uh, going off and, and having an affair on my wife and, or I'm not looking with lust on other women. I'm not doing these other things. I can be a good husband in that, but if I'm coming home and I'm in my heart grumbling and complaining because my wife asked me to fold the laundry or do the dishes or take out the trash, I've lost that reward. My, the motive of my heart is selfishness. There, there, there's a higher calling that we're called to as disciples of Christ, is to live our lives ordered after Him who, uh, with humility, served His own disciples. With humility, became a a, a a lowly babe. God in the flesh washed His disciples' feet, suffered at the hands of sinners, was rejected by His own brothers. Uh, was crucified on the cross. That's what we're called to. And, and uh, to serve him. That's why we're called then, like Colossians says in chapter 3, to do all things as unto Christ. When we have that as our motive, then these outward things that we're doing that are right, then they, they become these, these actions that store up heavenly treasure. It's not just the outward actions, but it's the inward heart that we have these good works that we're doing. And that's the standard by which we're judged. Turn back to 2 Corinthians 5. This is where Paul, again, he says, we make it our aim, our aim. This is what we're shooting for. This is the target we're trying to hit to be well-pleasing to him, to the Lord. When that's our motive, then these other things, they will last when we're judged, when we stand before Christ. So in, in verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What does that look like? To appear there in the Greek, it's not just standing before and, and, and uh, giving us, uh, an account. We see that in Romans, where we're told we're giving an account of ourselves before Him. But this word appear means to make manifest, to be laid bare. It's like being opened up like a book and leafed through, looking at every aspect. Having a light shine shone inside to see everything. And that's what, what God is doing before, what Christ is doing with us as we stand before him. We're, we're, our entire lives, our heart, our motives, our actions based on those motives are now laid bare before him for inspection. We're giving an account of ourselves before God. And that's what we see, uh, the criteria here. What's the criteria? It says that we're going to receive the things done in the body according to what he has done. So there's the actions, whether good or bad. The word good, it means useful, excellent, honorable. It's those good works, useful for Christ's purposes. Excellent, honorable. And then the word bad there is not bad that we, like we think of it necessarily where it's evil or wicked, but it speaks of being poor, being useless, worthless, or incapable. That's the criteria by which we are judged as we stand before Christ. Uh, Is whether the things that we've done in the flesh are good, useful for him, to bring him glory. The good works that he's prepared beforehand with the right motives in our heart. Or whether they're useless, worthless, where it accomplishes nothing. Matthew 6.20 says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's what we're called to, laying up that treasure in heaven, to do those things that, that, that build up our heavenly bank account, to do those things that bring glory to the Lord. And that's how we're judged and what we're judged on. Turn to me over, with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 11, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation that, that we, we start on as believers is the work that Jesus has done. But then we see that there's building that takes place in our lives. And that's that running the race with endurance. That's doing the good works that Christ has called us to. And it says, verse 12, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's works will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So we see fire that burns those things up. That that tests. Gold, silver, precious stones. Gold may melt, but it will still be there. Uh, Gold, as it's burned, the impurities will be burnt off. Silver as well. Precious metals. Precious stones. Those things will last. They'll last through fire. But wood, hay, straw, they just are burnt up. They're pointless. They may look like good structural things to build with. I don't know if hay and straw do necessarily. Although, did you know there's a whole neighborhood down on the south end where the houses are built out of straw bales with stucco over them? I I can't imagine what it would be like to have a fire in those homes. All right, Everything would just be burnt up. Most homes nowadays are like that anyway, um, built with these things. But this is what we're called to as believers is to build on the foundation of Christ with gold, silver, precious stones. And it will be revealed by fire. That's how uh, we are judged before him. It is where he sees us. He looks at what we've built. It may look like have the facade of being a beautiful building built out of precious metals and precious stones. But really it's just straw, stubble, wood. That will just be burnt up. And that's how we're tested as we stand before the Lord. We have salvation by grace through faith. We we talked about that already. Our sin is judged in Christ. We're now redeemed for Christ's purpose. To be used by him for his good works. Those good works are foreordained for us. And our responsibility is now to walk in them with the right motives. To do that. Now... If you're like me, I look at my life and say, I don't always have the right motives. I know that, that I do things out of just necessity, duty, sometimes with grumbling, complaining, uh, and, and doing those things. And, and I know that that uh, the motives of my heart are not always right. The beautiful thing is that Christ has given us what is necessary to serve him so that our motives are right. Matthew eleven thirty, 30, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, right? And that he is, we looked at that the first time I taught on discipleship here where, where it's that picture of us being trained by a more experienced, well-trained ox and following with him where he's carrying the burden and showing us where to go. As we humble ourselves and we re- repent of those wrong motives, if we repent of those things in our hearts where, where uh, we're not serving the Lord rightly, or maybe we're just outright not doing those things that God's called us to do, being disobedient to him, if we repent of those, we come to the word and we see the truth of our ways and, and the wisdom of the Lord's ways and we follow him, then... It becomes something where his yoke is easy, his burden is light. It's this learning from him, following with him. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He finished the work. He Has done it. And this is who we're following after. Who we're looking after. Our trust and our hope is him. He's the author and finisher of our faith. But we need to follow him. We need to abide in him. As Christ says. Abide in me and you'll bear fruit. Following him. Coming back to him. Where we are going to fall flat on our faces. Because we have our flesh. We're not perfect. We're going to uh, not... Always live up to the standards, most of the time not live up to the standards that he calls us to. But if we're coming back to him, if we're being faithful to him and following him, he has grace. And he calls us to then just continue in endurance with him and to learn from him and to rely on him. Philippians 4.19, Paul says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's his riches. And and the Lord, he accomplishes these things through the Holy Spirit that he's given us. John 14, 16, Jesus says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. If we've placed our faith in him, we have the Holy Spirit. And and, and so we have the tools necessary to follow him, to walk with him, to be obedient to him. Back in 2 Corinthians we we have all of these things necessary for us. But we do, as believers, so often we get our, our perspective, our mindset, our understanding. Just even the day in and day out of our lives, we get so distracted. We get focused on this world. We get focused on all of these other things instead of following Him. And when we're focused on all of those things, we're no longer doing the good works prepared beforehand for us in a way that pleases Him. We're not glorifying Him. We're not following Him in that way. So we should have this understanding, this mindset, that I'm living my life now, here and now, with the aim to be well-pleasing to Him because I will have to make an account of my life before Him. I will, as a believer, as a disciple of Christ, have to stand before him and give this account of my life and what I've done. The beautiful thing is I'm saved if I've placed my faith in him. But it's clear in the scriptures that there will be some believers who stand before him and they'll get through, it says as, as saved as through fire, where they're, everything that they have, everything that they did in their lives all burnt up. It was all worthless for God's kingdom except for they're saved. They're just there, just barely skating through. And we see throughout Scripture that there are rewards that we have for faithfulness. Um, I have a lot of verses here. We're just going to go quick through them. I'm not going to read them all, but give you the references here. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5, Paul says that, uh, he, he is a steward of the mysteries of God, a servant of Christ and a steward of the mystery. And if he, if he is faithful in that, that he'll receive praise from God. That, that we, we are stewards, we're good, faithful servants of the things that have been entrusted to us in the word of God. That's what we're called to. And when, we, when we're responsible in that, when, when we're obedient in that, we have our praise coming from God himself. You know the parable of the talents. Jesus talks about in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, where the the the, the servants are given these talents as the master goes away and told to, to do business until the master returns. You have a, a, a servant that has talents and he, he invests those talents to produce more. And as the master comes back, he rewards him. And we see... That, that picture of the believer, of, of the disciple of Christ being given these beautiful things, opportunities, uh, gifts from God, our very lives that we're called to then do business until he comes. And if we're, if we're being faithful to him, then when he returns, we have the reward of praise from God. We have the reward of a greater responsibility, if you look at that parable, and a joy of the Lord that we're called to enter into. We have a parallel parable in Luke 19, the parable of the minus, where, again, it's the the master goes away and and entrusts this money to his servants. And, again, as there's faithfulness in those things, as the master returns, you have praise from God and greater Jesus. We have those parables of the kingdom there. We have Jesus in Matthew 21 through 16, the parable of the workers in the vineyard, where the master is there and he's got a vineyard that he wants to hire laborers to serve in. And, and, and he goes in the early part of the day and hires laborers, says, I'll pay you this amount. And he goes throughout the days hiring laborers. Each laborer has wages that they earn, that they receive for being faithful and for just taking the opportunity that, that the master has given before them, that reward. Matthew 6.20 and Galatians 6.7 speaks of our treasures in heaven as well as reaping in heaven those things that we sow here on earth giving of our earthly possessions being faithful to the lord with those things and as we do that with him then we have heavenly treasure that's stored up in heaven that's our reward 2 corinthians 9:6 2 corinthians 8:12 we're called to give and to give with again the right motives a cheerful heart and as we give cheerfully as we give bountifully we reap bountifully we have those rewards it's not, based on, uh, it's not based on quantity of what we give, but motive, again. Discipling and leading believers, if we're responsible, obedient to the Lord, to disciple others. To be his disciples and disciple others, to lead them to the Lord. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says the reward he looks forward to, is in those disciples themselves and the fruit that they're bearing and that as he stands before the Lord, he has hope, his joy, his crown of rejoicing and the glory of the Lord is in that fruit of discipling them, being faithful in that. Galatians 6, 8 through 10 says as we we do good to all men, we reap treasure in heaven especially to the household of God, where we're called to be doing good, to be faithful, kind, sowing to the flesh. Or not sowing to the flesh, but sowing to the spirit. We're called to be hospitable towards God's servants, to receive the men and women that God has sent to us, to receive the words that he's given to us, and we have the reward of being a servant of God as we, as we receive those things. We, we have all of these rewards. Matthew 5, Luke 6, 2 Timothy 2. We're, we're told and throughout the scriptures that if we suffer for Christ with endurance, we have a great reward in heaven where we will reign with him. James 1.12 and Revelation 2 talks about us enduring temptation, enduring suffering, being faithful unto death, and we're promised then with those the crown of life as we stand before him. 2 Timothy 4.8, Paul says that those who love his appearing will receive the crown of righteousness, who look forward to the coming of the Lord will receive the crown of righteousness. We read it already, 1 Corinthians 9. If we complete the race that is set before us with endurance, we receive an imperishable crown. Revelation 3 says if we hold fast to what we have in Christ, not losing those things that we've gained, what we've been given, not letting go of them but holding on to them and enduring, again persevering, that we, we will receive a crown. For those who are called as pastors and leaders and elders in the church, 1 Peter talks about that those who shepherd the flock of God faithfully will receive a crown of glory. If we overcome, if we endure, if we're faithful, Revelations 3 again, 2 Timothy 2, Luke 19, we're told we have a place with Christ at his throne. That's the reward. And then in Daniel A beautiful passage, Daniel 12.3, it says, Those who turn people to righteousness will have glory as the stars in heaven. We see all of these rewards, these crowns, they're awarded to believers based upon what lasts after the trial by fire. We need to live our lives as his disciples, counting the cost, laying our lives down, but following him with endurance, and knowing that he has purposed in our lives to serve him, to follow him. Counting all of the, the little circumstances and situations that we face as opportunities to either store up treasure in heaven or to lose those rewards. To, to walk before him. There's the, the negative side of this that we see where, where there's the losing the rewards. Those parables, Matthew 25, Luke 19, you see those unfaithful servants. They're cast out. Now, I believe that if we're saved, if we truly have our faith in Christ, we're not going to, again, be judged for our salvation where we're cast out. But, but I do believe that, that as we stand before the Lord, and, and if, if we think we've lived our lives, lives pleasing to him, but truly our motives have been wrong or we haven't been faithful to him, we will be uh, uh, suffering lost losing those rewards to where where we won't have anything to show for our lives that we've lived before him. And, and there are some Bible teachers and scholars who believe that that verse in Revelation talks about where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, speaking of believers who come to the end of their lives and they have nothing to show for it because they've just skated through. And to have that shame of... Uh, not having any glory, any crowns of glory to cast before the Lord. We see in Revelation chapter 4 that picture of the 24 elders before the Lord where the beasts are, or are, are the, the living creatures are before the throne and they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And as that happens, the 24 elders are bowing down before the lamb and taking their thro- their crowns off of their heads and casting it before him. And that's, the picture we have. We receive these rewards, we receive these crowns and ultimately it's what Christ has done in us and through us how we receive those things. Again, through his Holy Spirit and, and, and our salvation and all of those things. But then the end result is us worshiping the Lord. is us praising him, casting those crowns before him. And, and that's the picture we have. We're called to be faithful disciples. Living our lives, looking for with this in the end, uh, this end in mind, that we're going to stand before him, before the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll receive things that we've done in our bodies. Our, 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 our physical life counts. What we do now after we've placed our faith in Christ does count for what we receive in heaven. And we receive it whether it's useful to the Lord, good, good motives, or whether it's worthless and bad. And then we come to that verse 11 in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That's that fear, that holy reverence. We say, I'm going to stand before the Lord. That's where we come in this decision. We have temptation. We have uh, suffering uh, and trials and, and the flesh and, and all of these other things that we face in, in our lives that oppose God and his purposes in us. We have come in those decisions and we say, I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account for how I act in this situation, for how I treat my wife, my kids, my neighbors, for how I've uh, uh, loved his word or neglected it, for how I've relied on him in in praying and, and seeking him daily to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to have these things where we're going to give an account our lives before the lord and to have that fear that that holy righteous fear the terror of the lord that then spurs us on to obedience it's a it's a, a fearful thing to stand before a living god god who is holy righteous just you see that the old testament prophets right stood before the prophet uh is it ezekiel who stood before the lord and he says, woe is me, for I am done undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, falling apart. Here's a prophet of God called to, to serve the Lord, speaking the words of God to the people of Israel. And he stands before uh, God and he says, I'm undone, completely undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Uh, and and our, we see in the scriptures, our God is a consuming fire. He's holy, he's just, he's righteous. All of those things. God is a God of love, and he loves us beautifully, wonderfully. He's blessed us with salvation. He's blessed us with what we need to live obediently to him, but we need to be obedient. We need to abide in him, to follow him. That's why Paul, again, he says, verse 9, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. Is that the aim of your life, to be well-pleasing to him? When I was in high school, I was in cross-country running. Um, I tried for track early on. I hated track. Uh, I did not like running in circles around the same track over and over again. Scenery didn't change uh, and everything. Just hated it. But I love doing cross country. Cross country, you would go out for meets at different places all the time. Um, And uh, sometimes it was in the woods, sometimes at like a state park or at a golf course. Um, sometimes at a school uh, and everything, and all the runners would gather together, um, and you'd start at the race at the uh, starting line, and then you'd run out, and usually it would be through fields or woods and a trail that you'd go. Um, 5K typically was your cross country, normal cross-country meet, um, and everything was really exciting all at the beginning because you have a big group of runners all together. Um, you're all crowded together, usually with your, the, all the other people on your team, waiting for that gunshot to go off or the whistle or whatever would start the race. And everybody would just run as hard and fast as they could as soon as that starting sound went off. Um, sometimes you'd get uh, a cleat in your shin or whatever else. You'd have guys falling over and trampled a little bit and everything, but everybody would just be pushing hard really fast, jostled together and just r- racing on hard. But pretty soon after you'd round the first corner and all the crowd that was kind of standing watching was gone, all of a sudden things became really, really difficult because then you were hitting the hills, you weren't having people cheering you on, you were seeing people who are far better than you getting way ahead, right, uh, and you'd start to get the stitch in your side and the splints in your shin and, and getting tired and sore, Um and you'd have then this, this mindset that you'd have to get into or say, "There's the finish line is coming up. I can't see it now, but it's coming up. If I pace myself, if I push hard, if I just keep going on it, then I'll get to that finish line. As soon as I see it, I can push as hard as I can, and I'm going to go for it. Um, and that was how every race would go. And, and then as soon as you would round the corner, you would see that finish line and you'd have this burst of speed, this burst of energy where you would be able to then just push through and go as fast and as hard as you could because you knew as soon as you hit that finish line, you were done. That's what's beautiful about us as believers and Christians is that the Lord has placed that finish line before us already. Already. We have, yeah, we're going to stand before him. We have the judgment seat of Christ. We have that finish line, but we, we have our salvation. You know what comes at the same time as this Bema seat judgment of Christ is the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we're with the Lord. We're, and, and it's not just this thing of terror, but it's also this thing of receiving the rewards and the prize. Christ has set that before us already where we know the end. And if we have our eyes and our understanding on that prize, then that's the motivation that we have to continue to endure with him, to walk with him, to run with him. Things are getting dark and harder. I believe the Lord's coming back soon, but we don't know how long it's going to be. Right? Inflation, everybody's hearing about inflation. You've got... uh, uh, Russia talking about uh, now that they've had this referendum of these different areas in Ukraine where they have voted to become part of Russia again. Many people are, 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 are saying that, well, Russia is now going to defend those as though it was its own country. And according to international law, then it has every right to do whatever is necessary to defend its own land and country. And now there's an even greater threat of nuclear war, of an escalation in things going on, the effects on uh, food and the supply chains around the world and all of these other things. We have all of this. There's the hurricane going on in Florida right now. Um, There's all of these other things. We have another election coming up. We know the chaos at the last one, what's going to happen this time, right? All of these things. Life is going to get more difficult I believe that until the Lord comes um, but we as believers we have the end goal before us we have the prize before us and we need to run that race with endurance we need to continue on to press into the Lord we need to consider all the things in front of us that we're doing we need to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith we need to we need to test the things that we're doing whether they're being bringing glory to the Lord, or whether they're worthless. We need to look at all of these things in our lives and we need to be faithful to him. We trust him. He's given us again his Holy Spirit. We can, we can trust him for the strength, the endurance to persevere, to go forward with him. But, but we have all of these things set before us to know. To look at 1 John with me real quick. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That's a beautiful thing. Those simple little monosyllable words there, because as He is, so are we in this world. That means that if we have our faith in Christ, we have His perfect agape love placed on us, where we can have boldness as we stand before Him. Where if we're abiding in Him, the perfect love that He's placed in our heart then works out in our deeds and our actions remember the fulfillment of the commandments of god are in love towards god and love towards our neighbors right that's the how we're to live as christians that's the motive that we're to have in our in our lives as we're doing these things and these good works is the love we have his love and if we're abiding in him we have that boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world and then verse 18 says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Christ loves us and he's called us to be obedient to him. There is the, the, the fear of not being pleasing to him and we should have that fear, but it's not a fear of us losing our salvation. It's not a fear of us of us being cast out into hell, but a fear of not pleasing him and and with our lives. And we've been called to these things. We can stand before him with boldness in the day of judgment, but we do here and now, we need to examine our lives and we need to follow him as his disciples, knowing that we will be judged and tested based on these things. So let's pray.